Well, everybody said about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode six of Grown Men Watch This Shit, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the Aussiness on that one. Great job, pal. How's it going? <laughs> I'm I'm doing better, sir. Everything's uh, okay in my camp at the time being. How are things, as they say up here, down under? Oh, <laughs> in the down under land. Yeah, man, it's down good. Under. I um I actually was just watching of all things. Uh, we we did a poll on the Facebook the other night for myself and the the lady Courtney uh, our, our viewing for that evening. Um, and the, the two movie options were uh, Donnie Darko or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm-hmm. Wow. So a bit of... That is a big, big difference. Bit of a spectrum there. Um, and it was... A, Hang on, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. So I assume... Was it somebody... Did each one of you throw off an offering or was it just both you guys came up with these? Like, did one of you pick one movie and one of you pick another? Don't tell me. Just say yes or no. Uh No. Oh, okay, then go on. <laughs> I, I, I assumed Courtney maybe would be the more of the uh, Donnie Darko, maybe you're the more of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is what I was getting. Yeah, yeah, that would probably be true. I mean, it, they were both options okay. from me because uh, I don't know if you get this, um, but a lot of the time uh, when, when you're doing a, a couple's viewing night, it can be quite uh, difficult to actually make a choice. You know, you can spend like an hour on the Netflix trying to just scroll through shit or whatever. Um, so I call it analysis paralysis. Oh, it's it's such a thing, and then you don't even know watching a movie because you just spend so much time like trying to pick the movie. Um, but anyway, so in those kind of situations, Courtney's just like, just just suggest some things. Tell me what I'm going to watch. That's that's it. And I'm like, all right, two suggestions. That's a sim- this. That's a similar experience in my book. Yeah, women basically throw it up. Hey. On you, buddy. It's similar to the restaurant thing where they say, I don't care, or they'll eat at whatever, <laughs> when they really have something in mind, but they have no idea what exactly. You you just know that you're probably going to fuck up the decision <laughs> process in the long run. It's a complicated uh, psychological sort of exploration of, of trying to... But in the long run, their partnership is... So appreciate it. Truly, is what is. really comes out. It really yes, is. Sir. Uh, but yeah, then we we did the Facebook poll, and I was okay. a little bit uh, awestruck. Uh, I was trying to think of a. Is it gab? I don't know. I'm trying to think of a word, but it's not just an crazy. Australian thing. Maybe thunderstruck. Even sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thunderstruck on this, mate. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure no one's ever said that. But that's okay. Oh, I just go by the ACDC thing, man. Sorry. Apologies. <laughs> that's all right. But, uh, yeah, we, we got, like, 58 votes. And it really was, like, kind of head-to-head at points. Uh, you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sort of took the early lead, but then it, like, sort of came back and it was pretty close. And then, um, yeah, ended up with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids 
as the uh, the poll winner, but not necessarily by as much as uh, you would think. It was fun to see which way certain friends voted. You really take someone sure. as a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of person, and then they end up a Donnie Darko kind of person. And so it's, it's an interesting deal. But then, yeah, so we ended up watching the, the film. Uh, for anyone that has not watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, recently, my gosh, it is a treat and it holds up very, very well. Uh, we watched it on um, HBO On Demand, so if anyone has the HBO, you should be able to, to check that out. Um, but yeah, just wonderful. Um, but one of the takeaways from it was that um, Rick Moranis' character in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, um, without the sweet inventing skills, uh, that's me. That was that was quite the scary scary thing. I'm pretty much everything about the character except for his his um, skill. all right well two things uh what are the other traits of him that are really recognizable as you because outside of the inventory thing he was pretty much a bad parent um you're a parent (laughs) of dogs so uh and then secondly um i give you one guess on which i would have sided with would i have been a dirty darko man or a honey the shrunk i shrunk the kids man it almost comes down to what what mood you're in you know like i i hate one and i really love the other oh shit well yes i'm gonna how can you hate donnie darko though (laughs) there you go uh i just feel like it's an overly up its own ass story i i I don't mind the movie. i guess hate is strong i just don't really care for the movie i don't in the long run, when it comes down to, I'm like, well, what did we just watch? It's like, uh, hmm. uh, we're not really a movie show, but hey, I just <laughs> was never a big fan of Donnie Darko or even the other the guy did Southland Tales, I think, with The Rock. Oh, I wasn't fuck. A fan of yeah, that South, Southland Tales was such a steaming pile of shit. I don't need shit that I need to be explained. Like, I'm a pretty smart guy, but I don't need to have something that I need to have explain to me what i experienced afterwards because that's the only way you can really know what's going on but honey that shrunk the kids is so straightforward and amazing it's so and there's an ant named auntie oh I mean, oh my gosh name for ant? that auntie that ant bit that that just took my heart like right it just crushed me it was so great oh. like the effects the effects on the ant oh the like, effects the in the whole movie real. like it was actually uh, kind of moist looking, you know, like mm. where you're actually like, well, that could be a real thing. Yeah, it was. That was a nice moist, moist ant, is what that was. <laughs> mm. <laughs> if we ever had a shirt, nice moist ant yeah. is probably one of the best quotes <laughs> of all time. I'd like that. I'd, I'd be proud to wear oh, that. Beautiful. But yeah, I mean, the, the practical effects on the whole thing were very impressive. But the the other thing, exactly. um, and getting back to the, the character trait with, with Rick Moranis, mainly his yes, complete, um, just unorganized, uh, just terrible with his time. He's like, got this thing, then he's got this like uh, roadshow presentation he's got to go. It's like, oh, shit! Just grabs all this stuff. The kids are having to feed themselves. You know, he... And and then just his um, uh, delightful, just fucked upness, whereas like you know the the most uh, sensible way to try to find the kids in the backyard is with this fucking thing with stilts and a magnifying glass, 
And then he has the clothesline gimmick. And there, there were just a lot of bits that were quite close to home for me to where I'm like, yeah, that, that probably would have been the way I would have gone about it. Um, I can see it. Like, it's one of those things where you're simultaneously scatterbrained, but all in on everything. Mm. And like, it's like, I'm, I'm 100% committal on everything that's going on, but I have got everything on a spinning plate. So I have to do everything at once. So, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And the other thing was he had big time heat with the wife. She was at the, you know, visiting the parents because they had a big fight. Uh, most of which, mm-hmm. by the looks of it, is because he doesn't do the, the, the house chores and the place is looking like a piece of shit. Uh, because he's he's not you know doing his part uh, for the, the the cleaning up and things like that, and I gotta say I have been guilty of that myself in the past. So, are you sciencing? Are you sciencing at the same time? Mm, I mean, I guess you could say I'm like doing my own thing with the art, creativey stuff. Like, is is that the art, equivalent fair. of the the science? Probably, I mean, probably most they're, of the time. Beautiful art pieces, but I don't think you're shrinking kids right now. But pretty beautiful. <laughs> not quite, not quite. I mean, I, I... Uh, gotta compliment you honestly on the, the David Arquette thing was super dope. By the way, uh... I think maybe we should think about because uh, you know I do a little bit of the doodling again. Not your freehand shit is way better, but uh, maybe both think of doing like simultaneous projects and then release them around Showtime. If if that's something that appeals to you at all. Oh man, that'd be really fun. I, I like the idea yeah. of um themed stuff just as like art project kind of thing it's great to have like um like just a a thing where it's like all right this is what we're doing um like on the instagram there are a lot of cool ones where they'll have like you know word of the week and things like that and i find they're good just to oh shit do something yeah that's good so yeah man i'll be happy with that that's cool um yeah i i i gotta give you mad respect i chris is an amazing artist friends i'm sure you've all seen it but Especially like being so topical, and the you have such a unique style, buddy. Uh, that it's it's a unique voice, and you rarely see that, especially in the wrestling art community. People are just basically usually drawing the same picture they see at all, like you know, of a specific wrestler doing a specific pose. You have a specific wrestler in Chris's voice. So I, I want to give you my respect. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks, brother. Yeah, no, I mean, I have fun with it. I try to you know, take something that I'll see from a photo or, or whatever, if I'm just like, that's fucking sick, and then I'll, you know, try to do some sort of tribute to that. Um, but, yeah, I decided to go with uh, David Arquette in his sweet trunks from his uh, his new look. <laughs> um, you know, he's got the robe. Oh, I think it's happening. I think it's happening. Is this David Arquette watch? I Well, first off, the beautiful art piece was definitely an inspiration by the return to the ring of one David C. Arquette. I added a middle initial. I'm not sure if that's accurate. Uh, So Mr. Arquette has moved, made his return to the ring against RJ City Mm -hmm. at Championship Wrestling of Hollywood. And it was everything and much adulated by all of the internet. Every wrestler I saw that either was in in attendance or helped, you know, put things, something together could not say a nicer thing about David Arquette and watching the match myself. Wow. Like, come on, people shut the fuck up. David Arquette is doing the damn thing. Have you seen 
the uh, the entire match or at least some clips of this match here, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've uh, seen some of the the clips. Um, I didn't know the actual full match was up. Is is the actual episode aired? Championship Wrestling Florida, where his his part is in. Uh no, I was asked. I, I haven't seen the whole thing either. I was just saying. Oh, okay, cool. No, well, I I saw sort of the the highlights that were released. I think maybe TMZ, something like that. But um, yeah, dude. Oh, just actually, I think it was Pro Wrestling Sheet, which is like a TMZ for the internet. That's no, I'm just kidding. Ryan Satin, who was a part of TMZ, uh, now runs Pro Wrestling Sheet. I think he aired some of the shit. And then TMZ, they also they had are the putting one in over big time. Of him in, did you see the one of him in Mexico from TMZ? Oh my God, he went to Mexico. Holy shit. That was like, this This whole thing, it all sort of, um, just the, the, the whole bit of how dedicated David Arquette has been to this comeback was just like full circle in all of this. So, from you've seen the the pictures and you've seen these highlights of him actually like you can tell he's like spent a lot of time training he's like in shape he decided to debut in in trunks he never wore trunks in WCW he had that sick full uh, Just, body yeah suit. he was he was wearing an entire outfit like now he's wearing actually a real wrestler's trunks yeah man and yeah the throwing hurricane rana's leg scissors yeah. looking fucking in shape oh, my favorite bit was the cutter and breaking out that ode to DDP. The, the best joke I ever saw, and no disrespect to David, who I'm mad respect for, but somebody said, man, CM Punk looks horrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, I know. I think but I saw hey, something like that too. But come on, yeah. come on, haters. How, how can anyone in this day and age be like upset in any way of, of how much david arquette is just all in on this um but yeah for the the mexico thing um uh in addition to the the video of like the sort of highlights of the match which looked awesome and, and he did a great job um he actually traveled to mexico um trained in mexico uh and had a match on like some some shitty tijuana indie in front of like 50 people in like an empty building uh, where he's like working in a mask, so like. N- oh yeah, actually I did see. That. I apologize. Yeah, he was wearing actually a luchador mask. Yeah, and so he's just there. He's wrestling in front of people that have no idea they're watching David Arquette wrestling, and he's just fucking kicking ass. He did a sweet runner. He did a a, a, a big dive to the outside on top of the dudes from the top rope. Um, fucking dude's great. And uh, after this match with RJ City, turns out motherfucker suffered like two broken or fractured ribs finish the fucking match though right brother that's the way we do dang i'm right mm-hmm. that's a that's a damn uh, wrestler I... for you brother <laughs> fuck yeah honestly you can't be more impressed by a guy who uh, everyone know we kind of fell into the thing in wcw because of the movie and you know the guy fall through. He donated his money to a better cause. Mm-hmm. Now he's trying to redeem his name in the eyes of his fans because he li- he legitimately likes wrestling. Yeah, I mean you can't help but respect that. And going through the whole deal of going to Mexico, training in Mexico, and then working a match under a hood. Come on, yeah. David Arquette is the fucking man. Yeah, for like a a Hollywood celebrity to be doing that, like what? unbelievable yeah and it was like didn't even come out until the the video was released at a later date so 
everyone down there must have been keeping their mouths shut about it or uh, it's so good had no idea what was going on yeah and he like he was over in that video like the crowd was like quite happy with this this rookie's performance he got quite a nice little applause from the highlight video that you I have saw. no idea who senior blanco is over here but he is <laughs> fucking great <laughs> so good so good oh man Amazing. mad respect for for david arquette uh keep up the good work man i can't wait to see what's next i mean uh, that it's funny that you mentioned cm punk uh with that douchebag comment but it's almost like a bit of a similarity there <laughs> with like cm yes. punk's bucket list thing of doing the the MMA and and fighting in UFC and you know maybe it didn't go great but it's like just the balls to to do that and to you know follow his dream and just all of the training and everything similar thing for David Arquette now like as a man who's what is David Arquette like mid 40s early 40s something like that for sure 100% yeah to just be like no you know what I'm going to do this wrestling thing I'm going to do it right this time I'm going to get in shape I'm going to train I'm going to you know, it's awesome. So good. Yeah, and there's the guys locally who are like helping him out, like Santino Brothers and Johnny Yuma, Peter Avalon, and Dave Marquez. Like all these guys can't say enough good things about the guy. And like it's it's clear that he has love and appreciation for the industry. So uh, it's just beautiful. I mean, I can't imagine a better response to his return to the world of wrestling and. I honestly, I I don't know about you, Chris, and for the sake of our podcast, I really hope that this works out to be either an eventual induction into the Hall of Fame or an appearance of Mr. Arquette at a WrestleMania, right? I mean, that seems where it has to go. Oh, if if you want, I don't know. To me, the the highlight very much would be uh, David Arquette making a, a surprise appearance in PWG and like wrestling someone like Chuck Taylor. That that's a dream match so that, that I want to see. So even if we got just there, that is something you love. Holy shit, I, I'm yeah. Going, I'm shooting for the fucking moon. I'm shooting for the moon, baby. <laughs> we we need to see David Arquette, Hall of Fame. Our podcast deserves this. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Hell, I'd, honestly, uh, I'd prefer to Ar- see David Arquette in a, a feature contest at, uh, at WrestleMania uh, rather than most of the other stuff they put out anyway. So fuck it. Well, all the celebrity shit. I'm like the guys who get inducted into the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. None of them were WCW champion. It would be, it's a shame. It would be a a blight on the industry if David Arquette did not make it into the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> I I'm standing strong on this, my friend. I'm very strong on this point. <laughs> nice. Oh well, on on that topic of David Arquette at WrestleMania, I don't know if you saw it. But someone put together this fantastic, um, what's like the, the new WWE video game? They did like a WWE video game version of uh, David Arquette wrestling The Undertaker at WrestleMania <laughs> in, in like oh, yeah. a Hell in a Cell. And like they did it as like a live stream broadcast deal and they did like the live commentary over it. And I don't know if it was just like two, I think it was just two AI dudes like you know, just watching the match and seeing how it goes. And fuck me, it is fantastic. <laughs> David Arquette pulls <laughs> out great. some whack, some crazy shit. Uh, he really brings it to The Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker kind of <laughs> really ups his game uh, with this uh, this vigor that, that David Arquette's bringing. We even get a, a jumping tombstone 
I, I don't want to spoil the finish, but you know, people need to need to perhaps check this out. I uh, I did do a share of it on the, the grown men pod Twitter, so uh, uh, it beautiful. It's fantastic. It was really the highlight of my day yesterday checking that out. Well, I guess in summation, congratulations, King David. Yeah, we love you, David. You're listening out there. You're the man. And the best part about it is all this respect and, you know, he lost the match, I mean, in the long run, but still, we still like him. Oh, we, we sure do. <laughs> I, uh, I can't wait right. to see what he does next. And um, I, I just hope he does something awesome at, like, next year's WrestleMania weekend or, or whatever. I just want to see what's next in the, the story. Ladies and gentlemen, rest assured, David Arquette Watch will continue. David Arquette <laughs> Watch 2018. All right. Well, uh, before we go any further, I just wanted to... I'm not sure if there's actually an audience built around this podcast at all, but I wanted to apologize for our absence, which is really comes down to my absence. I personally had some issues I was dealing with. Um, we spoke about like, you know, mental health and things, issues of that ilk, uh, back when we spoke of the more Ronaldo podcast uh, on Showtime, um, which was the bipolar rock and roller, which tremendous film, great, uh, documentary. If you have an opportunity to check it out, I definitely recommend doing so, but I had some shit going on and I had a bit of a meltdown, uh, personally. And, um, I, I wasn't like a danger of hurting myself or anything, but sometimes when you guys, when we are people who are mentally unwell, sometimes have these experiences, it's not necessarily as dramatic as where we think we're going to kill ourselves every single time. It's just, we can't function maybe because we just can't respect or think that anyone respects ourselves or it goes down to like where we don't even know if we like ourselves personally or if anybody does. And it's hard to get up and just, you know, do a show or be the person you try to be in life, a positive, upbeat person when that's going on with yourself. So I want to extend my apologies, especially to Chris, my co-host here, who has dealt with me uh, through this. And uh, No problem, buddy. I, you know I can't guarantee that it won't happen again. I just can't guarantee it won't happen again, but I'm doing my best to make sure we put out a, a product that people are entertained by not just me being morose about my personal issues. So apologies, everyone. And uh, yeah, if you ever do feel like that way, Chris reached out to me. I spoke to other friends and just reach out and allow yourself to be open and talk to somebody because it def- honestly it does help. I'm not like 100% feeling great about myself today, uh, but I'm doing a lot better. And that's all that really matters in the long run. Yeah, man, for real. I mean, um as we discussed on on that Moro documentary um, episode, like it, it's the most important thing is that the the stigma around talking about this stuff is just bullshit. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with talking about this stuff that that you're going through because most people think you know they're the only one and, and that you know they're fucked up because they go through this stuff when that's so completely not true. You know. Um, a lot of us, uh, you know, share the, those kind of feelings. I mean, I, I know myself and I've, um, have a, a lot of those up and, and down times, uh, as well. Um, and, and it's like at the, in that moment, it, it makes no sense whatsoever. 
Um, and you know, it's only when you get it away from it, you look back and you're like, how did I, how did I get to that point? And it doesn't make sense. That That's the whole deal. But, you know, by, but talking about it with one another and just knowing that, you know, your other buddies are going through it as well. Um, it, it, it feels a lot better just to know that people are there. Um, so, I mean, uh, again, similar to what we said, um, on, on that episode, like always here to talk about this kind of stuff. And, and my friend, I, I just want to say to you that I think, um, it's a, it's a really brave, ballsy thing to, to open up about that kind of stuff on like a podcast like this. You know, a lot of people might think like, oh, it's a fucking dumb wrestling podcast. And it is, it's, you know, hashtag dumbness. Um, exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if, if we can sort of, uh, you know, relate to people in, in that way and, and do our little bit in, in removing a little bit of that stigma. Um, I, I think that's a, a good thing, but, um, props to you, buddy. I think it, um, it definitely takes, uh, something, um, to, to open yourself up in, in that way. Honestly, I, it, back when I just kept that shit bottled up, I was worse off. So it, it I'm hundred percent willing to be honest and open, especially because it, people are out there. They could be related. I don't know. I mean, I, it, sometimes you see the shits coming from a mile away and you just, no matter what you can, you would be, it's like in Austin powers when that motherfucker is about to get run over by the, <laughs> the, the, the steamroller. Like you see it coming so far away like oh my god i think i have a depressive episode coming and you can't do anything but lean into it dude it, mm. it, it really sucks and honestly being open and honest about that shit with people who you may not even know they're willing to be open with you and care like fucking hey, hit us up me and chris are definitely we not might give you the best answer but at least we'll give you a voice to fucking express something to us and we'll give you something to say honestly from our viewpoint like it, Please don't bottle this shit up inside because I've talked to my girlfriend, my lady friend with this about about everything that's going on me. And like it's when you start getting a new relationship, that kind of shit is hard to open up about. But if if you're trying to be open and honest with somebody and if all of a sudden you're randomly quiet and weird on them, they're going to be like, well, what the fuck is going on? Is it me? If you're not open and honest about what's going on inside. So don't worry about that shit. If anybody cares about you, they want to hear it. So thank you, Chris. And like I said, I can't guarantee I might not freak out again, but I'll do my best to keep this show as consistent as possible. <laughs> no worries, buddy. I mean, the idea of this, you know, the show being delayed a week, it's, it's fucking, it's not a, not a big thing. Um, but yeah, thanks, thanks a whole bunch for, for sort of going into that, man. I think that's great. And, you know, I don't, I don't know in the future, we, we may talk more about this kind of stuff, but, um, yeah, everybody. That sometimes that the best thing that you can have is is just knowing that there's a a kind ear listening, that's just there to sort of you know hear you out, and it it just feels good to to vocalize it because I know I can go through stuff in my own head, um, and it, it just makes no sense. But then when it's vocalized, it it somehow that stuff makes a heck of a lot more sense, even though I've, I've just, and then your support group grows, your mm. support group becomes more expansive. Like you're like, when people understand what's going on with you, they might reach out to give you a heads up before something happens. Like, Hey man, I just want to check in. Things are going good with you. So yeah, 
uh, open and honest, man. That's all you can do. And it you'll work out better, honestly. Like, no one's going to think you're weak. If anybody does, who Fuck needs them? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. I also wanted to, to hit on um, that I had uh, a friend, one of my best friends, uh, uh, David, actually reached out to me um, following our um, El Moro show. And he he mentioned how, like, that um, – the way we sort of talked about that stuff and, and that opening up that dialogue and, and like we were saying, you know, removing the stigma, stuff like that, um, it, it meant a, a lot to him. Um, and I was I was almost like a little taken back when, when he mentioned to that, you know, in addition to being just shocked that he actually listened to our show. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, just the idea that we're just, you know, it's a fucking dumb, silly wrestling podcast, just a couple of buddies uh, shooting the shit. Um, but you know, to think that, uh, someone out there was, was listening to that and that, you know, meant something to them. It, it's, it's just really nice to, to hear. Um, and yeah, so I wanted Great. to say, you know, thank you, David, for, for sharing that. And, um, you know, if there's anyone else that, uh, that, that likes that, that kind of thing or, or wants to, you know, share stuff of, of their own, uh, where we're always here, uh, friends. For sure. And uh, David, thank you so much. We may not take ourselves so seriously a lot of the times, but we're definitely serious about making sure our friends take themselves uh, to hearts, like everything they feel and care about themselves. And come on, uh, we're goofy, but we definitely can talk to you about something serious. We're not going to blow you off. Yeah, for real. All right. Hey, you ready to go into something awesome? Yeah. What do we got? All right. Um... I know you have some – you shared some tremendous news with me. I just need to follow through. It looks like you're headed to the U.S. of A. Indeed. Ho-ho. Oh, y'all. Tickets have been purchased. Um, it's a scary thing when you buy, like, $1,000-plus tickets to a show that's, like, the <gasps> hardest <God damn> – the hardest <laughs> wrestling ticket basically in the world to get. <laughs> Um, one one thing I help quell a little bit of your nervousness is the current venue is quite a bit, I don't know about quite a bit, but definitely larger than the previous. So the odds are definitely increased, but still slim. Well, just just um, again, but, so uh, everyone knows, we're talking about PWG Battle of Los Angeles 2018. Oh, the I biggest... thought it was like my birthday party. What? Oh, shit. My birthday party. It's, I'm just joking. <laughs> Yes, PWG. Yeah, man. Um, so stoked for this show. Um, but but yeah, it's it's been it's pretty much renowned as the, the biggest wrestling tournament in um, American wrestling. Full stop. Right now, um, for the longest time, 100%. it was it was um, you know you could not think of PWG without thinking of the awesome uh, Reseda Sweatbox, uh, the American Legion Hall. Uh, beautiful, beautiful little venue, um, and now it has moved on to the the Globe in uh, downtown LA. Um, we have had, I think it's basically like doubled the the capacity, but at the same time, I, I think the the last show that just happened um, like a week ago uh, at the Globe, I heard that sold out immediately, just as fast as the fucking Reseda ones did. So uh, I was trying to be positive, but yeah. yeah. I know all the evidence is indicating it otherwise, but we're gonna we're gonna do this, bitch. We're gonna do it. Positivity, do it. mental positivity. 
I believe that we can get tickets. And, and hey, last time, um, I don't know if I've already said this story, but last time I came over where we originally met my friend, um, when I actually had my tickets ready to go overseas, when I went to, to buy the tickets online at the time, I lost out completely. I didn't get a single night ticket when they went on sale. And then um, within the day, I got a ticket to night three on the Twitter with a, a great uh, person that uh, reached out to and was able to hook me up. And then it wasn't until I actually was stepping on board the aeroplane um, to come to your wonderful country uh, that I was actually able to secure my uh, my final ticket um, being night two after having got night one a little bit earlier than that. So somehow the universe helped me out last time. It all lined up. Hopefully this time isn't quite as stressful, but we will see how we go. I think a lot of other people probably in the same boat. Um, so again, everyone out there, you you have our, uh, our sympathies on this upcoming stressful, what's it going to be, is it Tuesday morning? Yes, sir. The wrestling gods must smile upon you that day. I think it's Tuesday evening, Tuesday for, evening. Uh, or Monday evening. One of the two. Damn you and your fucking Australian <laughs> time zone. I <laughs> fucking confuses anyway, yeah, me all the it, time, brother. I hear you, dude. I hear you. Like I have to. I had to look the other day. What the fucking time is it at Christmas house right now? <laughs> <laughs> all right, but yeah. Uh, the the main thing that I want to talk about before we go through the card of PWG is one of the big announcements of someone who's not uh being included in oh. the tournament any longer is one bro of ours uh oh. i think both of you have i have been met mr riddle he's no longer included in the tournament which has drawn some you know basically everyone wants to assume one thing or the other and a lot of people have assumed that maybe he's going to be nxthc um or nxt and not the thc anymore for mr <laughs> Matt riddle. Well, that was clever <laughs> That was clever. <laughs> well done. I'm a dork, and I like puns. I hate this guy over here. Sometimes I do it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Mr. Matt Riddle is no longer part of the tournament. Uh, I believe he was replaced um, by someone we'll discuss later. But the speculation is he's going to the WWE. Mm -hmm. Initially, it was New Japan, but all but confirmed with WWE. How do you feel about this thing? Oh, I cannot um, tell sir, you that I, I was just extremely sad when I heard the news. Um, in addition to, you know, obviously not being in, in Bowler, um, I think, you know, one of my favorite um, things that I, I got to see in the, the New Orleans um, WrestleMania weekend was Bloodsport and just the incredible, yes. um, just fresh difference of, of that show, obviously it being Matt Riddle's Bloodsport. I think I'm even more sad at the prospect, you know, as opposed to him no longer being in Bowler, the prospect that we may not get another Bloodsport now. I uh, can can we have like a, a can we still have Bloodsport without Matt Riddle? Can they just bring in Jean Claude Van Damme? Can be Jean Claude Van Damme? <laughs> Kumate, Kumate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck, who knows? Uh, it's GCW owns the name, yeah. I imagine, so they could do what they want with it. Maybe Riddle shows up, doesn't have to work. He's just a you know ambassador for the brand. Who knows? Oh, I hope but so. yeah, Matt Riddle in NXT. Uh, it's a can't miss, honestly. And a lot of people speculate about the gentleman because he, as I made the joke earlier, he does partake in a bit of the marijuana. Mm -hmm. He's a fan. Um, and Nothing it, wrong it's with one that. of those things where by no means, 
but if a guy is looking at a dream job and he needs to pass a piss test, I imagine he'd be more than willing to make that work for him. And a lot of people, I don't know if they know this, but WWE is not necessarily happy about marijuana use, but they don't necessarily fire ass for that shit. Well, I mean, their, their approach fine. has kind of There's really changed over the years, hasn't it? Because to start with, like back in the you know mid to, mid-2000s and earlier, there was just the, the pot tax to where guys, uh, after they actually brought in the testing, you know, for a long time there was no testing whatsoever up until um, I believe the Benoit stuff happened. They had like a bullshit testing thing before that after Eddie, but um, still there was like ever since WCW didn't have testing, WWE was like, nah, fuck it. We don't have to test anymore because WCW's not doing it. So you basically yeah. had a decade or more of just guys doing all the shit they want. It's basically like the world of, of pride fighting championships, but in, in wrestling. Um, but then they brought in the testing, and, and even after that, they had the stuff that, you know, you, you're going to, if you pop for, you're going to get in trouble. Um, but then you had the pot, which was a bit more lenient. They just, you know, tax all right pay my couple hundred dollars and i'm i'm good to go exactly. and then um they actually started cracking down on that at some point which i remember hearing and just thinking it was such complete bullshit um i, I think it might have actually stemmed from when um sabu and rvd got uh picked up um from that uh incident and the the um car stop with the cops and then rvd got stripped of the both titles. Yeah, what a fucking thing that was. Ugh. Basically, killed the uh, the whole ECW um, relaunch. In an, I mean, like it was going to die anyway. But I mean, that was Chris, terrible. So really, really, what that was was the beginning of an indie movement in the mainstream wrestling. Kind of, you know what I mean? Like with RVD, I, we all know that ECW was an indie per se, but it was kind of that voice. So like, it's like the anti-establishment. More, more guys were getting opportunity. Exactly, more guys who weren't the main focus. If that had continued, those guys would have gotten more opportunities. But then RVD and Sabu decided, I mean, I get it. You want to get high. I mean, it happens. Do you want to get high? Mm. And RVD's pretty much the ambassador for pot. Like, he's, he's been in all the magazines. It's like I heard he had it, like, in his contract where they automatically deducted that fine. That's been <laughs> one of those that he always said. Like, That's great. It's going to be given. So RVD is like, hey, man. I'm not going to try to fuck with you guys or bullshit. I am not a liar. This thing's going to happen if you test me. So deduct it automatically. Yeah. And then, like, obviously, we had the, the departure not too long after that of RVD. Yes. Um, and he sort of came back for little bits and pieces, but not being there full time. And, yeah, I heard that that um, there was a lot stronger than just a pot tax to where guys would actually get heat or they'd get their, their pushes substantially reduced. Um, when they got stung a couple times, I remember um, our boy Matt Seidel um, got a, a bit fucked up with his push because of that. I think he was at this, the synthetic stuff. But I think his was the, yeah, I think that's specifically why, because he was used in synthetic. And the, and but I mean, the to... fucked up part is he was used in the synthetic because of not being able to, to um, do the actual Agreed. natural Agreed. thing. I think, like I, the I synthetic bullshit's as... awful. So much worse it's than actual worse pot. For you. Yeah. I think they took it as him trying to just avoid uh, a violation of their tests. So when they test and found that, like they, it's almost like, oh, you're not even like going as far as trying to just use the real shit. You're actually doing your best possibility to get high, but 
to deceive us. I think I, I honestly feel that that's something that maybe levied a little bit harder on Matt Seidel. I can't say for Perhaps. sure. I mean, that like, did come at the same I mean? time when there was like that big thing in the news of because um, I think didn't people die from that synthetic shit? Yeah, that shit is fucked. Yeah, that shit's fucked up. Spices. Mm. It's like. It's like uh, the weed version of bath salts. It's like yep. a bunch of mixed up bullshit. It's, friends, yeah, friends talk- don't let friends do spice. Listeners, stay away from spice. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather you do cocaine than spice, and that's yeah. my endorsement. Heck yeah. <laughs> a public yeah, health endorsement uh, from grown man watch this shit. <laughs> cocaine over spice. <laughs> We're not we're not role models. We just say what we say. Mm. But yeah, uh, so yeah, riddles out. Hopefully, uh, but yeah. I mean, a long-winded thing. I was just basically like, um, so Go where on. where is that pot tax now? Is it still a hard line? Is it like has it been repealed a little bit? Are the NXT contracts different to the WWE contracts where you can get away with a bit more of this stuff? I don't know because I remember a lot of I times. I can say for certain one mm. thing uh, in the in the weekend of New Orleans. I am friends with some people who work for the WWE, and one of the guys who works for the WWE did approach me about procuring him some marijuana. So I imagine either A, it's something where they're aware that if they get popped, there's going to be a fine, but they may not lose their job. Because I couldn't imagine anybody who's a professional wrestler losing their job over something as simple as marijuana. It just sounds completely unrealistic to me, unless they get unless they get directly popped by a cop like that's that's a different thing altogether but if it's just thing where you're like hanging out on the weekend and smoking a little pot i don't see anybody actually taking that risk to lose their job um it it just doesn't make sense for the company too like say you're pushing a guy who likes pot like it gets popped like i mean with in within the system you're not going to want to get rid of the guy you're definitely going to find him like hey man you're not going to shoot off but if they get arrested like rvd and sabu it's a big thing altogether. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously been a long time difference between the the humanitarian side of WWE and and just public image stuff. Like that's the reason in reality all this stuff happens. They just don't no, want to have that public se- black eye. Sheiky and Duggan got busted marijuana. Well, <laughs> yeah, going back to the eighties. <laughs> yeah, I think it's funny because RV it. Did you ever always think that was funny that the whole thing with RVD and Sabu, they were kind of enemies, even though they were both managed by Bill Alfonso, and then they get busted with weed, and then Sheiky and <laughs> Mr. USA, <laughs> Jim Duggan get busted smoking weed. Like, marijuana brings people together, dude. <laughs> Heels and baby faces can get over their shit by smoking a doobie together. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I think it's clear as day. It's clear as day. <laughs> beautiful um all right but yeah I, I hope that um they are not as hardline on that shit anymore the idea that people are having to take fucking pills and prescription meds because they're not actually able to, to smoke weed when they're sore and Ugh. banged up like makes me so angry so i hope for our good friend matt riddle's sake that uh he can still light up and have a good time um no matter what his uh, his future is I mean, it's a pretty exciting thing for him. It's sad for a lot of, uh, you know, indie fans. But at the same time, hey, um, if if this dude is going to have that next step in his career and he's going to have potentially a a really good money-making run, um, all power to him, um, as sad as that may make me personally. Oh, sure. Uh, Few people are as money as Matt Riddle. I'm not even... 
I'm not trying to oversell the guy's ability. There's, it's Kurt Angle levels of grasping what it is to be a professional wrestler from doing something else. It's incredible. Uh, Matt Riddle is money, and if he can stay out of his own way, I can't see him not being incredibly successful. And then also back to your point just a moment ago about him no longer being in the scene. The spot that has been left by Matt Riddle is huge. So somebody step up and take that bitch because then somebody has to step and take your slot. It just makes bigger stars in the long run. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a beautiful thing, indie wrestling. That's how the indie wrestling works, man. Um, But yeah, I mean, to me, Matt Riddle, his, his biggest thing is that you can look at that guy and you're like, that is exactly the dude that I think he is. That's a real character. That's authentic. That's not some, you know, bullshit storyline, Duke the drums, dumpster drowsy fucking, you know, this is your character <laughs> and take it. Uh, it's like that, that's a real dude. And that's, that's always been his, uh, his, his thing. Like every part of, of this run, which has been an awesome run. He's had some great stuff. Um, but I, I really hope for his sake that he's able to, to continue and, and take that, that real life authentic character. I hope that's the one that we see in NXT, if that's where he goes or whatever. Um, and, and potentially, you know, on upwards and onwards from there. Um, you know, I don't necessarily have a, a whole lot of belief in uh, the abilities of the, the, the guys up North. Um, but you know, Hey, I can hold out hope, right? Damn right. Damn right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, the, Outside of Matt Riddle no longer being included in the, the tournament for Bola, Battle of Los Angeles for PWG. Such a great lineup. is fucking incredible. Like, one of my friends, Tim, uh, he, Tim Teresi, he said actually this was the best Bola lineup ever. And initially I, I did balk on that because I've seen some pretty tremendous Bolas. But when you go back and actually look at the variety and the eclectic uh, lineup that we have here for this year's Bola, it's hard to argue, really. Like th- They're bringing back some classic guys like Jody Fleisch, mm-hmm. uh, guys who in the United States are rarely seen. Um, what's the German guy? Or the I mean, Igra just like Dolva? shout out what's to the- Jody Fleisch. I remember watching Jody Fleisch yes. in CZW oh Best of the Best in like the year 2002, something like that. And him and Johnny Storm, like, just stole that whole fucking tournament. Like, they just lit it up and were amazing. Um, a funny little side note, that also was the show where, uh, what's his name? That dude from the Hate Club, flippy dude that was in ROH thereafter. Fuck. Uh, anyway, uh, he I- did a... Um, you know the the run up the wall spot where like you do the the flip over the the guy like sort of um oh, shit, kung fu yeah. movie type of deal. He did that. This is in the the classic ECW arena. Uh, went to do the run up over the wall, and I think that the match after Jody Flash and Johnny Storm. So I mean, like you know, try to follow that motherfuckers. Uh, he goes to do that run up the wall spot. He actually puts his foot through the plaster of the wall and then just lands on his fucking head. I will always oh, remember that about that show. But, yeah, I mean, it's so good. These dudes that just uh, made their mark in early 2000s on the indie scene and, and it's like, wow, UK scene's fucking awesome. And how much is that full circle now with how hot the, the UK scene is these days? And these guys just really, really um, 
set the the benchmark that a lot of these dudes like your Will Ospreys and uh, Marty Skrulls and all of those guys um, are are kind of that's it lit the whole fire in my opinion. No, yeah, they set the tone for a lot of the guys in these. Yeah, it's J- it's Jody and Sema night one. That'll uh, be a fucking, great match. Joe, I if you were a fan of early ROH, you're a fan of like Johnny Storm and and Jody and all those guys. And J- apparently, somebody said I haven't seen it, but Jody's like put on probably like fifty pounds and like super yoked out. Is that the case? Yeah, I saw Jody. He actually had a bit of a comeback towards the end of last year in um, Rev Pro where he was on some of those shows. Um, had a, a, I remember he had like a really sick match with uh, David Starr, of all people. Um, okay. But yeah, and he's, he, motherfucker is jacked. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then the guy I was talking about a second ago that I couldn't think of the name is Dragonov, I think is a Russian guy, and he's taking on our boy Jonah in on night one. Oh. That's like... Like these I think match-ups... that's night two officially, but yeah, Ilja Dragunov. I made a point to oh, yeah, actually you're right. Right. Um, you're correct. see how this guy's name is uh, pronounced. <laughs> I read it the first time and was like, woo. What? Yeah, but yeah, that exactly. match will be sick. I mean, uh, Dragunov has had like a, a renowned series of awesome matches with Walter in WXW. Um, wasn't he away for some time? Like that? Like I guess he wasn't wrestling for a good period of time or something. I think so. I, I watched a bit of a hype video type of thing where he came back on one of the shows and just got this crazy big pop. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. His his entrance is amazing as well. Just coming out to this old school like Soviet Union era um, Russian music and just the molten crowd and dudes just like crazy intense. Um, he's, I'm looking forward to that match a bunch because I think that same uh, dynamic that he has uh, with Walter, um, I think Jonah is a, a great opponent that can sort of bring that out of him as, as well. So I'm really stoked for that one. Um, we've also got uh, Bandito Jr. against T-Hawk. Uh, that'll be great. People that don't know too much about not, not too crazy with T-Hawk familiar. Like how, what's... Where are we? Is he come? Where's this gentleman coming out of? So T Hawk is a Dragon Gate guy. Um, for okay. a long time, uh, he was like um, sort of meant to be the ace of a Dragon Gate for a good amount of years, but and he was always awesome. Um, but he had that sort of thing where he, the crowd didn't quite accept him in that position. Um, he had an awesome team with uh, Ata. For a long time too, um, I remember in uh, Dragon Gate USA, Ata and uh, T Hawk were were quite a thing um, for a while. But yeah, um, T Hawk is is awesome, um, and he actually is looking to be part of um, Seema's new um, like Hong Kong offshoot of Dragon Gate, which is pretty interesting in and of itself. So I reckon that that'll be an awesome high flying match. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh. One one thing is like the best thing about Bola is because they definitely go out of their way to make sure they get a interesting clash of styles matches. Yes. I, I for one appreciate the shit out of that. And one thing that's been sticking out as far as the lineup so far is uh, Darby Allen and our buddy uh, Mr. Jeff Cobb. Oh, that'll um, be great. That like big man, Darby... little man thing. That crazy little man with a death wish. Like, oh, it's be amazing. Uh, and. Anybody who's seen Darby perform knows how uh, what a big a daredevil he is, and he is a mainstay from up here, and uh, just has 
generated one of the most interesting characters in professional wrestling. It's unquestionable how it's just this amalgam of like a half dead, half live punk rock skater zombie guy. As like his entrance where he's like brought out in a body bag and then gets like unzipped and stuff. It's just so intriguing. Like very few have taken time to develop a character and also such an in unique in-ring style. Darby Allen has all those factors in. I, I know he's a local yokel, so I'm kind of sucking his dick. But hey, the guy's fucking tremendous. I hope he goes far. I can't imagine him winning, but I hope he goes far this turn. Mm, I mean, I, I look at that match, and it's almost like that's like a um, Defy presents uh, bowler kind of a match. You know, Jeff Cobb and Fair. Darby Allen. Damn right. Um, two guys that go quite a ways back in um, in Defy Wrestling, your uh, awesome hometown promotion up there in Seattle. CCC. Yeah, sure. so that'll be awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite torn on that one as to who I would want to see go go forward because there's so many potential really interesting matches for like Cobb if he goes on on from that. I mean, the idea that we could get Cobb and Jonah following that would be just insane. That's the thing about Bolo. Oh. They're like, you want one guy to go on, but then you know, like, oh, my buddy Jeff has to lose for that to proceed. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's standing out is, I don't. We got Walter and Timothy Thatcher. Oh right? man, Ring Kampf explodes. That'll be such a great what match. The hell, I'm excited as shit for that one. Um, I, I just love just that real gritty style that both of those bring forward. Um, and yeah, I I, I can't wait. Night two is going to be hot. Um, we also have DJZ against. Fellow Australian Robbie Eagles, um, I think that'll be great. Um, have you got? You haven't got to see Robbie in person yet, have you? I have not, no sir. Oh, you're in for a treat. Um, Robbie, in addition to being a, an extremely nice guy, is just uh, an awesome wrestler. A lot of people have said he was uh, has had the best matches with Will Osprey of um, everyone uh, so far in Australia and Will Osprey's Australian Adventures. Um, DJZ as well, a dude that's had like a real career revival the last couple of years after basically having his um, his butthole explode in a match in Tijuana. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I did. No, but that's imagine like that is a story of your life. <laughs> Guy had his butthole explode, but somebody has to explain later to another person. Yeah, right. Yeah, let's just leave it at <laughs> that. <laughs> right, go on. Yeah, no, he took like a, a frog splash, and the dude came down real heavy on him, and somehow I don't know how <gasps> the human anatomy works, where it takes a frog splash and then your butthole explodes. But yeah, he was like. After that match, he was he was clenching something, right? But yeah, <laughs> hearing damn. the story is scary as shit. Like just having all this like blood come out his butt and like holy shit, I don't think I'm okay. I think I need to go to the hospital. Everyone's in shit before they wrestle, please. Oh, fuck me. Outside of cocaine over whatever drug we were talking about earlier, poop before you wrestle. That's that's a solid bit of advice from the grown men watch a shit <laughs> podcast. Holy shit. <laughs> asshole exploded that's fucking insane yep yep so yeah he was out for like six months after that like he almost (laughs) legitimately died from that okay and you know being in a mexican hospital that like a lot of uh the stuff that we take for granted um is is quite a bit different down there the the payment of it you told this story where it was like 
he basically had the, the hospital and the doctors say, you need this or you're going to die, but before we do the operation, you need to pay us this much money. It's like, what the fuck? And then he's like, how am I going to get this money? And it's a harrowing tale. I think um, on uh, Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast, the one with DJZ, he really goes into it. So if anyone wants to hear the story of the exploding asshole, check that out. Yeah, getting extorted. I didn't realize that was. I knew he had something go on with his bowels, but I didn't realize it, what exactly was the scenario. But that, yeah, that's uh, wow, shit. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Holy crap! But then he he I went mean, on ooh. to like um, train uh, actual like proper lucha libre because he he did do a bunch of stuff with um, AAA. Um, but then he trained with the lucha libre school in um, Chicago. I think it's the the company that uh, called Gali. Um, they put on quite a bit of uh, lucha shows in, in Chicago, bringing out Pentagon Junior, Phoenix, these type of dudes, the, the Los Traumas. Um, but, yeah, so he actually, like, went all the way to sort of differentiate his style, bring out a bit of something different. Um, and, yeah, ever since that, every time I've seen DJZ work, it's, like, been a, just a, a pleasure to watch. So I think, again, him and, and Robbie Eagles will really bring out the best in one another. Um, Chris Brooks and Trevor Lee on night two. That'll be great. Trevor Lee being the replacement of one Matt Riddle we discussed previously. That was one thing that took the you know a little little bit of the sadness out of Matt Riddle's you know not being there. The fact that we get to see Trevor Lee, um, I love that guy. He's so good. He's one of those guys that uh, is. I hate to throw around the term underrated and overrated because I'm not sure what the scale we're basing all of this bullshit on is. Um, but Trevor Lee is definitely a, a talented a talent who needs more respect. Like the guy is so damn good. Seeing him in his debut at PWG where no one knew the fuck the guy he was, mm-hmm. and by the time the end of the match was, everyone's like, Trevor Lee. Like that's that's not something that most indie wrestling fans are willing to do. Like for the most part, they're like, you got to prove your shit to us. And clearly, the gentleman did. So, welcome back to Bola, Mr. Trevor Lee. Yeah, yeah. I think Trevor Lee is like a. To me, when you think of PWG, Trevor Lee's one of those guys where it's like on, you know, the the first like thing that comes to mind to me. You can't have PWG without Trevor Lee. So I'm, I'm very happy that we have him back. Uh, Carolina Caveman. He's just such a, a great guy to watch, and also just tremendously really nice guy from a little chat that I had with him at uh, Bowler as well. Uh, and against Chris Brooks um, from the, the famed CCK tag team with Travis Banks um, back in the UK. Um, uh, another guy that we saw do some awesome shit in, um, in Rev Pro when we were watching that kind of stuff. Uh, he had, uh, I believe, the match, it was Travis, Brank, Travis Banks... And uh, Chris Brooks against Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre. And um, mm-hmm. Brooks had that awesome, hilarious uh, chop exchange with Minoru Suzuki. I really rate Chris Brooks, and I think that'll be really good. I, I Sometimes, like, a lot of those guys who work primarily uh, in... England and such, I, I don't get enough to see them, but thankfully, uh, because you pointed out the Rev Pro opportunities, I have seen some really great Chris Brooks matches and Travis Banks matches. And Chris Brooks, who I believe there was a big video that went out recently of him like declaring that he was he was going to stay upon the indie market instead of mm. signing somewhere else. I 
you got to commend a guy that's, who, after so many people are taking the extra money, he's decided to, you know, be the guy who's taking this this industry or this particular uh, segment of the industry on his back yeah. and becoming the guy. So I mean, a guy that's just right on, staying truly independent when all this craziness is going on with WWE and uh, the UK scene. Um, I think that yep. definitely has to be commended. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's a belief in yourself that that you can, you know, you're good enough to where you can uh, flourish outside of that WWE system so that then when, you know, if you do go in there later on, you've increased your, your value um, by doing it on the outside. And I think um, uh, there are uh, uh, quite a few guys out there that are similarly you know, thinking along the same lines. And I think it's a, a great way to be. It's a strategic move. Honestly, it's, it's once the market, a lot of those big guys go and, you know, they start focusing on something more confirmed with a contract or a, you know, set dates, you, that, those spots get open. Like, as we spoke earlier with, you know, Jeff Cobb going to ROH. I actually, we actually, I apologize. We didn't talk about that, but uh, these big indie names getting signed to something where they're going to a set promoter, those spots get opened up and there's just these huge opportunities for Chris or other guys to just step up and take that. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, yeah. It, like when Ricochet left, like so, so much room opened for people to just step up and take that money. And a lot of the guys, as you can see, have, taking time to capitalize on Yeah, I think it's awesome. Like, if, if we didn't see Ricochet leave, would a dude um, who is one of my favorite guys to watch in the indies right now, a guy like Shane Strickland, um, be just the, the talk of the indie wrestling town that he is right now? Um, to me, he really just stepped in up into those Ricochet, Ricochet shoes. And, um, you know, between his stuff in MLW, uh, Defy, uh, his, his stuff that we've seen him in, in PWG in the past... Uh, Lucha Underground, like dudes everywhere, and um, I'm so happy for him. So yeah, we, we do need to see those guys uh, move away to, to see the next big thing come about. Hell yeah, that's an amazing point. Strickland is yeah top notch. Mm. Um, and then yeah, speaking of Travis Banks that you just mentioned, we got Travis Banks against Shingo Takagi. Uh, Shingo for the longest time was like always my favorite thing about Dragon Gate. Um, Shingo is just like so, so good. Um, I remember when I went to WrestleMania last time, it was in New York years and years ago. Um, I guess not that long ago, maybe five years. I'm not good with time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got. Uh, I went to a Dragon Gate USA show that had a sweet singles match with Shingo against Akira Tozawa. Um, which was uh, fantastic, but yeah, if people if people have not been watching Shingo the last couple of years, he's just gotten better and better and better um, as he has gone on, and, and the prospect of uh, him and Travis Banks that is going to be a hard hitting affair, my friend. Is he still rocking that sweet mullet? Because Shingo had, as far as I remember, one of oh, your sweeter fucking hairdos. It was a beautiful mullet. It had like the bits shaved into the sides. It had like the spiked and up bleached. top bleach going on oh. oh fucking beautiful man. i hope he still has it last time i saw him it's one of those did. things about wrestling is worth some things that are so ugly they in, in normal society like, <laughs> in wrestling you're like fuck yeah brother look at that haircut yeah you go doing you go into like a, a sweet dive bar and the dude sitting next to you has that haircut you know just like 
I mean, I'm not a judgmental person, but I would judge him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you, dude. But Shingo walks in, you're like, oh man, this is a badass motherfucker. Look at that bleach bleach mullet. (laughs) There's something to say about Japanese dudes being able to pull off those sick mullets, just more than white boys can (laughs) as well. Like, I I don't know what it is, but they just make it work, hey? Like, evil's evil's haircut. Evil, like, most guys (laughs) could not rock evil's hairdo but evil looks fucking dope as fuck yeah i mean even outside of the the mullet you got like your, your real um unique haircuts the likes of a uh, tenzan well that's actually one of the best mullets going um yeah, exactly or even like a minoru suzuki with his sweet like shaved in bits and pieces i don't think many people could pull that off outside of minoru suzuki yeah, Rich Swan. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> interesting kidding. at the moment. I like it. Hey, no, just kidding around. Just kidding. <laughs> nah, Rich, Rich Swan makes that shit look good. He looks good. He looks good. Nice, nice. Um, all right. So, getting back from our departure with <laughs> sweet, sick mullets. <laughs> um, I mean, the biggest one, the biggest one of all of this. It's gonna save it till last, but fuck it. PCO versus Brody King. Fuck uh, me. Monster. Hoss fight. Hoss. Hoss fight. Uh, or as they you introduced me to Big Lads Wrestling. Big Lads Wrestling. <laughs> oh, man. Amazing. PCO, of course, on the show, he had no idea who he might have been facing. But Brody King is a a mainstay here up, up in uh, the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. Aptify. Uh, the guy's tremendous. The guy can move. The guy does lucha. Uh, I think we just, are... Like, he's blown up this year, hey. And, and I mean, especially in PWG, he, like, came in, I think, uh, in one of the shows early this year as, like, a replacement and has just been, like, killing it ever since. Like, I, I honestly think he's the best big man going on the indies, um, and I, I love him. I can't wait to see what's next for... Um, for Brody King, and I think he's he's really earning his way up into that um that that top tier spot in um in PWG one match at a time. So I can't think of a better person to be facing PCO. Um, but again, like I'm so torn as to you know who wins and goes on in the tournament. It's so tough. Yeah, that's that's really how it lays out with most of the bowl tournament each year. Like you're. Well, fuck, I really honestly could go with most guys. Each, unless it's like a new guy, like his first year. But for the most part, you're like, who am I going to choose in this one? Mm. And Brody King and uh, PCO, that's it's definitely hard to who let's let's just let's lay it out, man. Who are you going with? Well, I would be a um, terrible person if I did not just completely go with my boy, Pierre Carloulet. Like, come on. We had him on the show. He's such a nice guy. I uh, I personally want to see PCO win this whole motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, for this, I was going to go that way, but for the sake of fun, um, I'm going with Brody King, a oh, defy. Don't tell Carl. Wrestling. <laughs> I, I watch my nips. They're get <laughs> yeah, Destro will come out here. <laughs> Dude, by the way, let's talk a little about that show. How fun and interesting was that? Like, when he started to go into all the stuff about him and Destro, you're like, 
man, like this is so deeply involved and interesting and a lot of so stuff that I had no idea about. Hey, like you watch those videos yes. and you think like on a surface level, Destro's just some dude that he's wrangled in to be on these videos. Torturing him. Yeah, but then you hear like the whole backstory of how he's like this renowned strongman and, and how it's like he um it was a big thing for Carl to actually get Destro on board to train him yeah. to do a lot of these strongman feats, like going from watching that, oh. that Bret Hart um, interview thing where he was saying um, about the, the match that he had with Carl uh, back in WWF in the mid nineties and, and how um, Destro was like, no, because of how shit that character was at the time, you know, the, uh, Pierre Lafitte, the pirate um, and, and how much Destro could, could see what, Carl needed to be kind of thing and helped create this amazing monster uh, like we said you know the Terminator Frankenstein whatever you will but um, it, it's just such a, a awesome unique thing and I think it's it's yeah. that kind of eclectic stuff to where we've got a guy like that in Bola that is the magic of this year's lineup 100% like a couple years back we had Liger who just threw his interesting wrinkle into the whole thing like you're just oh, okay jushin jumped ligers and bola wow so this is a i think a step up from that even because as amazing as pco has had this year him including the bola tournament is just i mean i know he's kind of doing the freak show gimmick it's like a freak show match and it's fucking exceptional i i am so excited to see how far it goes like uh, you know, I'm turning around. I'm I, as much as I wanted to do for just the challenge, saying Brody King is going to win. I'm going PCO, bitch. I'm side with you, buddy. Awesome. Yes, we need this. <laughs> we need this great, great, happy comeback story of 2018 to continue. Damn right. Awesome. Um, all right. Before we go to the next one, I'm going to have a a quick wee. I'll be right back. I don't have a wine bottle uh-huh. here to pee in this time. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> one moment, guys. All right, I don't know if I'm supposed to fill airtime here or not. Um, Chris is urinating. Uh, I hear in Australia the actual the toilets go the opposite way. Uh, we've had that confirmed on The Simpsons. Um, this is the second episode reference of that particular Simpsons episode. Um, yeah, I, I do get redundant with my references. Cheers, Wassus. Uh, I think I can hear Chris Peen. Hang on, stop and listen. I was mistaken. I cannot hear him urinating. I really hope he doesn't leave this in. Um, I'm going to list some DVDs or VHS videos I have in front of me for the sake of doing so. I have Clerks, Biodome, uh, Elvis Aloha from Hawaii, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. I have Con Air. I have a Limp Biscuit unauthorized video. I'm sure they authorized it. They're just trying to be rebellious there. Um, Jerry Springer. I have a Orgasmo VHS tape. And then uh, Say Anything and Better Off Dead, which are both 80s classics. I hope you enjoy. Are you back? <laughs> I'm back. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's great. I got bored. I started listening to the VHS tapes in front of me. Amazing. Look at that filling up that dead air. And you know, people, we're going to leave this in because while other shows <laughs> that was one of the, would be... That was one of the statements. I wonder if he's going to leave this in. 
Other shows have professionalism. We bring the dumbness and we bring the realness of pee breaks. Yes. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoys my VHS selection that I have shared with you today. So I'll have to listen back to that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to it. Back to it, guys. All right. Go on. Um, go on. We're, we're really taking a bit longer on these because we, we, we talk, we ramble. That's, that's what happens here. Um, but anyway, let's, I mean, Joey Janela and David Starr, I think that'll be an awesome match. Both two just like fucking characters. Um, I think that'll be really, really fun. Uh, Joey's one of those guys that, as we spoke of a moment ago, who due to some signings of some maybe major, some bigger stars has stepped up and filled those slots. And Joey Janela over the last year and even fuck the last six months is just, elevated his star power with Joey Janela Spring Break and Tournament of Death. And it's just, who doesn't love Joey Janela at this point, really? Oh, man. Also, uh, did you did, see his sick thing on Instagram recently? There's a bunch of sick things. What, which one are we speaking so of? So the one that I thought was the most appropriate when you said about, you know, all these guys leaving and, and um, you know, Joey being left, he posted this sweet meme of um you know the the watchman mean of the the blue dude sitting up on uh, on Mars yes he's basically Dr. like Manhattan. yeah yeah Doctor Manhattan he's basically comped his face in on Doctor Manhattan and in that bit where he's like sitting all contemplatively up on uh, Mars I think and it's it's like where'd everybody go <laughs> yes. that's that that was very very good. Yeah, man, Bola is, is set up to be an incredible tournament this year. Uh, the non-tournament matches with some tag team stuff also set up to be awesome. Um, yeah. I, I'm super excited, man. I, I'm sure we'll talk about it more because I think we both aim to go there. So, yeah, Bola 2018. Um, incredible. Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and I wanted to shout out the night one non-tournament match of Walter and Timothy Thatcher, Ring Kampf against Ilja Dragunov and Shingo Takagi. Oh, my gosh. There is going to be some pain going on in that match, and I really want to see it. I, I, that's another thing about Bola. Like they set up these matches where, like, well, I didn't know I needed to see that match, but now that I know it's a possibility, I need to see that match. Fuck yeah. Uh, night one is one of those nights a lot of guys, people who are PWG fans feel they can miss sometimes because Don't. the real good stuff tends to happen on night two and three, but... Shit, they, they've kind of made night one almost can't miss as well, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, and I wanted especially, um, I mean, the final two matches we haven't ma- mentioned from it yet, Ray Horrors and Adam Brooks. Um, you know how much I love me some Brooksy. Uh, that match is going to be dope. And then uh, finally, Flamita and Puma King. And, and Puma King is really interesting because he was for the longest time a severely underrated CMLL dude. Uh, every one of those Arena Mexico shows that you watch on Friday nights, he's always there in like the second or third match, always killing it, always doing uh, awesome stuff. He's actually the the son of um, of Felino, um, who I believe was one of those dudes in WCW. Selena? Felino. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's he's actually just recently uh, announced that he's leaving CMLL. Um, to depart for like this uh, U.S. indie um, journey, and basically he's making the jump from like being in the you know one of the biggest companies in the world, honestly, in in the form of CMLL, 
um, to, to go out on his own and, and really try to up his stock before you know potentially coming back to, to Mexico as a, a big star, similar to the likes of um, Pentagon Jr. And, and Phoenix. Like I, I think that's awesome. You got to respect that. Yeah, I think he's going to surprise himself, a lot of man. people, and, and he's got a lot of... Um, like this has got to be his coming out party, right? Like all the pressure that you must have for this. Like if you're going to have a big indie run, uh, PWG is is where it really happens. Without question, man. Uh, Bandito is one of those guys who has been so exceptional in PWG, and the the clips that people see, maybe they didn't hear about him initially, and now are going to back to watch some other stuff. Know how tremendous he is. So mm. pairing him up with somebody like Puma King. I mean, it's going to be amazing. I mean, is that not questionable? Like, going to be maybe a steal, the night stealer? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I hope we get that match. I mean, initially it's um Bandito Junior against T Hawk, and then we got Flamita oh, against yeah, you're right. King. I apologize. I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Oh, you you know the Shit. booking sheet? Shit! Spoilers. <laughs> 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 I was talking about my ass in, in a hopeful match that I wanted to see. And I apologize. I forgot it wasn't actually set in stone. I hope that we get to see that as well. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, Flamita as an opponent for, for Puma King will be uh, just as awesome because, yeah, similar. I, I see Bandito Jr. and, and Flamita as, as two guys that have just, they are what Puma King wants to do in terms of being the luchador in PWG because they've just had a, an awesome run so far there. I think up here in Defy we get uh, Flamita and Ray Horace and somebody and Bandito against Mustache Mountain uh, and somebody else. It's I such think, a unique match. I love it. Yeah, it's it, Defy has for their. I'll jump ahead a little bit, but Defy with their United show combining a lot of the uh, Defy talent with the Progress talent has really generated one of the more interesting shows of the year, I'd have to say. Mm. Like, it's incredible. And then one of the matches at that show that a lot of people are jealous of is Walter versus one Jimmy Havoc. Um, I don't imagine a lot of blood in that one because up here we don't, you know, the Athletic Commission doesn't smile on that too much, but... Yeah, uh, should be fucking incredible. Yeah, I, again, I, I just love to see Walter kill people, and Jimmy Havoc is a dude that <laughs> seems to have no problem in getting killed. So Being killed, yeah, yeah, Damn. right. Uh, but similar to that, actually, um, and this will be something for our next episode, um, the, the next crash show in Tijuana um, is going to be similar because all of those dudes from Progress are going to be over, and before they get to their official Progress USA shows, um, a lot of them are all going down for that crash show in, in Tijuana. So Mustache Mountain, um, Travis Banks, uh, Chris Brooks, like all these kind of guys um, are actually going to be in, in the crash working these luchadors. Um, so, and and Insane. Our, our, our man John is actually going to be there for that one as well. So he's uh, volunteered to do another little, uh, little call in uh, to let us know how it goes. All right, I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. John's awesome. He's a great guy. Yeah, but yeah, uh, wow, Progress has definitely set the U.S. on fire with this tour. Like all the dates, I I have never seen a a tour excite wrestling fans as much as this uh, Progress tour. So, um, I am re- when I heard that Seattle was chosen as one of the locations. I damn near shit myself and not like hypothetically, like literally, because 
wrestling up here has always been considered kind of a black hole scenario. Like nothing good happens up here. But then Defy started. Yeah. After three, two, one, kind of set the groundwork, and since then we've been very, very lucky. Uh, so very, very excited about this. Yeah. And I hope Chris just you know maybe makes another trip over here, another thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah, man, I would love to. I um, it's still on my list to to make it to Defy after almost being able to make it to a show on my last trip over. Um, but, uh, I mean, it didn't end up happening, but then we ended up going out for, for beers and that was, that was even better. Yeah. Way. Good times. Yeah. Shout out to Zach. Yo, Zach. I love, that was really <laughs> fun. He was such a fucking nice guy. Dude, my buddy Zaza is the best. Cause especially he's, he appreciates wrestling. He's not necessarily a fan, but his viewpoint is exceptionally awesome and funny like the other day we're sitting here watching and he's like you know bill watts because i had him watch the brody documentary which we were supposed to discuss but never got to uh we had him watch that with me and he's like bill watts and eric stone street from a show modern family look identical and yes it's something i never <laughs> ever noticed before but as soon as i saw it i'm like holy shit zach you couldn't be more accurate like how scary it is that it non-wrestling eye it was so straight, dude. He could definitely play him bizarre. in a movie. Oh, so weird. <laughs> yeah. And we, we're tangenting as fuck, man. Tangents. That's what the show is all about. Yeah, beautiful. Now we just uh, organically move on into. Uh, we, we were originally going to talk um, this past week about um, Brody, that awesome Brody documentary. It was actually the 30 year uh, anniversary of, um, of Brody's very passing. sad passing. Um, and uh, it's almost been better in us having the week after it because there's been a lot of interesting stuff that's come out um, in terms of like podcasts and and um, different people talking about it and things like that. Um, to where I I've I was telling um, I was telling you man about how much I just got into like a rabbit hole. You know, after I watched that amazing High Spots Bruiser Brody documentary. Pretty much all I was thinking about for that next week was just about Bruiser Brody. I watched like so many amazing Bruiser Brody matches. Um, watched that that sixty minute draw that he had with Ric Flair in the Checker Dome in St. Louis. Um, amazing match. People need to check that out. That was also on on High Spots actually in their awesome um, St. Louis Classics collection. Um, I watched a bunch of his awesome stuff from Japan, his uh, awesome tag team with um, Jimmy Schnooker and the, the feud that they had against Terry and Dory Funk Jr. Um, and then when um, Stan Hansen jumps over from uh, New Japan and, and makes his big debut in, in Old Japan and then it becomes the the crazy formidable Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody tag team. Um, it's, it's just such an interesting topic because it's like, from this this documentary, it's like there's there's two things. There's the career of Bruiser Brody, which is its own. It's such a good thing. People need to talk more about his career because it's so such an interesting journey. Um, but then there's the discussion of the the death of Bruiser Brody, which a lot of the time it feels like that's all people talk about. You know, if people talk about Brody, they're only talking about Puerto Rico and they're only talking about um, Jose Gonzalez. Uh, so, I mean, I. I Definitely, I was actually really excited to have this chat to, to sort of get to talk about it because it feels like all that's been running through my head for the past week. I mean, what, what were your thoughts just starting out on the, the Bruiser Brody documentary, the, the High Spots one? Uh, my, my initial thought was 
the both the amazingness of selecting his wife to be the narrator and also how not necessarily great she was as a narrator. Like it almost made it awesome mm. that she wasn't like a natural narrator for a story. It was just a woman telling the story yeah, of her husband. Yeah, just telling the story of her husband that was viewed at, by most people not as a as a normal man, more as an icon, as something you know. We all revel in like the the legend of Bruiser Brody. You know what I mean, and how he was more than that to her, and how she wanted to let everyone know all these facets of Frank as a as a human being. And mm. like initially, it, it threw me off guard, but then like you're like it's so raw and real and more emotional when you hear it coming from her. Yeah, definitely. I, I found that amazing. Um, and when the, the documentary first started off, like they weren't like necessarily uh saying who the people were that were talking and yeah i was watching it with my buddy zaza he's like who are these people i'm like some of these people i can name off top of my head but some of them like i needed that subtitles which it eventually came in but yeah, it's kind of it, weird it wasn't threw it me off and it took a little bit but yeah, well one yeah. one big take um from me like similar to, to what you're saying there is like um the, the content of it and the interviews and and barbara's stuff was so great and it like gave so much heart and, and like there were some moments in this documentary that like a really fucking just punch you in the belly. Um, yeah. But it's like they so far outshine, um, if you're looking at it just from like a, an actual production standpoint, this is not like a slick uh, ESPN 30 for 30 or like HBO documentary. This is... No. You know, I don't think high spots have those uh, capabilities. Uh, this is just some dudes uh, jamming together a bunch of um, awesome interviews that they got over the years, I guess, as well as some new stuff that they recorded um, into what ended up being like a really good documentary. But uh, you do have to sort of make your way through um, some some production stuff that uh, maybe uh, could have been could have been done better. One of my favorite moments was uh, her Barbara discussing Frank and her dropping him off at the airport and how as soon as he broke the uh, the line of the sidewalk into the actual building itself, he then put on that air of, you know, Bruiser Brody, not Frank Grittish, mm. and just walked through the airport with his confidence and star power and how he became totally a different person literally as soon as he broke that 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 plane it's such and a contrast I just find that isn't so it? interesting yeah like i mean um the, everything that i've heard about frank um he's actually like a really super intelligent guy um it was really interesting in the documentary before he started his um wrestling career he was actually a sports journalist for like three years um and, and did really well just a really smart educated guy um, that is so polar opposite of, of what people um, perceive of, of this crazy out of control monster slash dude that doesn't go along with promoters and hijacks all this stuff and whatever. Um, I actually listened to an amazing um, couple of episodes. There's a, a great podcast um, put on by a dude um, by the name of uh, Fumi Saito. Um, he was a, a Japanese reporter um, who actually went back in the day when Brody would come over to uh, Japan. Um, he interviewed him quite a, a few times and they had like a, a, a real rapport. Um, and on one of the 
after his death, when Barbara went over, um, they actually met um, Fumi and, and Barbara. Um, and, and she was like really sort of taken back of, of how nice and just the whole thing of, you know, the, how much love the Japanese people had for Brody. Um, but yeah, they, on the, what's it called? The Pacific, oh, we'll get the name of this. The, um, Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, yeah, on this episode, he actually had Barbara on. And it was the first time that they spoke since like 1988 when she was over for Bruiser Brody's memorial. So you actually got to hear this real, like real conversation between them. Um, and one of the biggest things that came out of it, to, to your point, was that um, contrast, that complete contrast between when you're talking to Frank, uh, when he had his hair all pulled back and, and just a really, you know, smart, earnest guy. In Japan, they actually called him the intelligent monster. Um, mm-hmm. because of, of that point. Um, and yeah, how he just will turn from, from that mode, um, into, you know, worker Brody mode, um, in the, the a split second. Um, and yeah, that was a, a big thing that came out of that. Um, but it's such, the, it's such an interesting thing. Like you, you're thinking of him as the, this wild man character and then like his, his home, um, when he's at home, like the person that he is and how important, um, you know, Barbara and his son Jeff were to him um, to the point where he would be, um, you know, turning down shows or or no-showing shows because he said that he wasn't able to go because it's Jeff's birthday or something like that. Like, no wrestlers would do that back in the day except Brody did because he thought, you know, family is so much more important to him than, um, than wrestling. And it should be. That's one of those things that a lot of the guys who were making big money back in those days maybe had trouble understanding. And maybe they've uh, had detrimental relationships with their family members because of that. So it it was awesome that you could clearly see that as far as the story was going and what Barbara was saying, that Frank was ready to either A, come to the WWF and do a run with Hogan and then close up shop. Um, or, you know, was happy doing some, you know, regular dates on independent shows every once in a while. Because as the documentary has shown, Frank was one of the big things that actually helped generate the independent scene for wrestling as we know it. The whole thing about, you know, flying in a big star to run the show and then having your main guys, you know, work underneath. And Mm. that's basically how most places operate outside of your super indies like PWG and such. Um, So... Yeah, it's in- incredible to see, based off of what our show is about, how Frank was such a big part of generating what would become the independent wrestling scene. Yeah, I mean, that was the original reason why I wanted to, to cover this on this show specifically, um, was because, uh, in a lot of ways, Brody was like the first real like um, independent wrestler. Like, he started that. He was so proud to be independent um, and, and not be you know, work for a company where his boss can, can tell him exactly, all right, you have to be here, you have to be there. I don't care if it's your son's birthday, you're going to be here. Um, Brody was like so independent when it came to promoters to where he would say, uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to be there um, because I've got this. Or like in so many times, um, there was another interview actually um, on that podcast with Fumi where he actually played 
uh, an actual interview that he had with Brody from like 1985, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Like just this whole interview uh, that they had in this um, fancy hotel lobby. Um, and you're just getting all this like real frank discussion. Like it's so crazy to hear like a, you know, shoot interview from, from that long ago. Um, but yeah, one of the biggest things that came out of it was how much, um, Brody was, was just really proud to, to be independent. Um, the other thing, uh, is so sad. He's an independent wrestler. He don't need no man. Yeah, exactly. But it's so sad in, (laughs) in hindsight, um, with everything that went down the way it went down with his passing, the fact that he, the biggest thing that he had from this interview that was like, um, that, that really stayed with me was how much he's like, you know, you have these guys that is like wrestling is, is everything for them. The business is everything for them and, and their, their families suffer and whatever. To me, family is number one and, and my business is, is second to my, to my family and, and me as a, a man, you know, I, I do what I need to in the business for my family. And, you know, that might mean, um, holding up a promoter uh, that might mean if, if a promoter promised him a certain amount of money and then as promoters tend to do they might be shorting him a little bit on the house as was pretty um, standard back in those days uh, he would take that really personally and he would actually uh, get back at the guy you know potentially at a later date by agreeing to a show and then just no showing it as a fuck you, I remember you stiffed me that couple hundred dollars on a prior show. Um, and Or whooping that guy's ass. Yeah, or, or actually whooping that guy's ass. Um, and a lot of people would be like, no, Brody was an unprofessional piece of shit for doing that kind of stuff. But from everything that I've heard, guys are just like, no, he, he just had so much conviction um, when it came to what he felt that he was owed, uh, when it came to what, you know, the money that he was earning for his family, because uh, that was so important to him. Um, and if he felt like he was he was wronged, because he, I think, a big thing, and this sort of goes back to Stan Hansen, who was like probably Brody's best friend and, and very similar to Brody in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, Stan, as much as he was similar in terms of not trusting promoters, he'd say that Brody was had so much more of a distrust for promoters than even he did. Yeah, and he uh, he also seemed like such a. A voice for the boys, uh, which a lot of guys, they you know, they say they are, and you know, they, maybe a part of it is selfish in the long run because they they want to protect their own money. But it it seemed like clear clear that Frank was hoping that everyone would end up getting their fair shake in the long run, which at the same time makes his death so tragic because so many people who were the boys at the time turned their back, uh, both literally and figuratively at the time of when he needed his boys or his brothers the most. And it's just so sad. Um, and hearing Tony Atlas break down everything and and saying that Tony 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 was amazing in this, the voice of reason. Tony was like the highlight that Tony had to be the guy. It's just, knowing the history of him on camera and how crazy he is sometimes the fact that he was the one who had to lay this story home just made it like hit so much heavier you know what i mean yeah yeah um that it was so hard because i mean bobby heenan actually had a bit in the documentary where he he wasn't very kind to brody at all yeah um he basically said because there were some famous stories of um you know territories that, that brody purposefully uh killed the territory 
um, you know, be it if he's been paid by someone else or if he felt like that promoter wronged him and this was his way of getting back at him or something like that. And Bobby was saying about how, um, you know, by you doing that to the promoter, you're not thinking about the rest of the boys on the card. And there were a lot of instances where Brody would do what he would do um, and it was the right thing for him and the right thing for his family and his convictions. But, you know, there were um, other wrestlers that, that would get caught in the, the crossfire. So it's it's a really complicated type of thing. I, mean, I think a lot of people paint him with the brush of just being selfish, wouldn't do jobs for people, blah, blah, blah. But it's like in terms of where he was and like his commitments and responsibilities to Japan where he couldn't necessarily lose because if he's been paid so much money by Giant, ba- Giant Baba and all Japan, like they don't want him doing a job for uh, for some dude in uh, Minnesota. So it, it's it's tricky. No, I agreed. Uh, some of the, when you're watching the documentary, there's always, you know, sometimes the editor likes to add in without being intentionally so a little bit of a joke. Um, I don't know if you caught this, but during the thing, after they discussed uh, Brody's passing and Kevin Sullivan was on video or on film saying, I don't think any American should have gone back to Puerto Rico after that. And the next, the literally, the next clip they showed after that was Buddy Landell saying, I went back several times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> like, it, it is Buddy, pretty funny the way Buddy's it was just right Buddy's there. dad and they bust him in the balls. Like everyone knows Buddy's track record of being, you know, you know, guys trying to make some money. He's working his thing. He's doing He's getting his shit in. And then they just make this guy. Yeah. Nobody should go back to Puerto Rico. <laughs> I went back several times. <laughs> but I mean, that, that was a tricky thing. Cause I, um, Actually, on make money. sorry, I said people need to make money. Yeah, so yeah, that's it. it. People need to feed their family. Um, on uh, Jericho's podcast that uh, Meltzer was on, where they were just talking about Brody, um, this past week, that was a big thing that they they went into. And Meltzer said about how so many guys just had heat amongst the other boys because they'd worked Puerto Rico. But it's like if if your work in the other territories isn't feeding your family, and then you have this offer where you can make money and put food on the table of your family, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to hold this grudge and have your family starve? Yeah, and, uh, I get it. Like, sometimes personal scruples uh, definitely rests on whether or not your family is eating or not. Mm. Yeah, for real. I mean, that's that's what matters at the end of the day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, getting to, you know, the heart of the matter and the, the murder um, – that happened in, in Puerto Rico. I mean, if people don't know, um, you know, Brody's life uh, came to an end at like the age of 42, I think, in um, 1988 in Bayamon, Puerto Rico. Um, you know, the promotion at the time in, in Puerto Rico was so huge, so hot, um, on such a great record run. Um, and Brody was a, a huge part of that. Um, you know, Carlos Colon was the, the promoter. Um, Victor Javica was another a big guy in the ownership of the promotion and um, Invader one, uh, Jose Gonzalez was the, the booker down there and Brody honestly was probably their, their biggest star so then you go from that to you know the news coming out that shocked the world that Brody was stabbed to death in a locker room in Puerto Rico by Invader one Jose and Gonzalez, the um, the booker, 
and which was originally muddied by reports that Brody was in fact not really, but was reported attacked by a fan, and yeah, uh, was that was reported not only within the boys but you know to the, the media as well. Yeah, and and even after it was pretty clear from a lot of different accounts that it was Jose. Um, you know, this promotion had a lot of stroke with the government, things like that, and the uh, the the court case. Um, you know, it was funny uh, on that interview with Jericho. Dave Meltzer was saying he he read his reports going up to the trial, and he was just saying it's scary how matter of factly I was just reporting. Yep, so this he's not gonna um, be found guilty. He's gonna get off. This is what's this is what happens. Um, this is just the deal, guys. And and that's exactly what happened. Um, Jose got got off, um, and yeah, that that's really like the whole reason that we're saying about all these uh, wrestlers who swore never to go back to Puerto Rico. Um, a lot of people said the the case itself was like a, a joke. Like the some of the key witnesses, like um, Dutch Mantel um, and, and Tony, Tony Atlas himself. himself um, who who actually had the balls they were going to to testify? A lot of the the workers just didn't. They thought it would be too dangerous for them to go down there because there were you know reportedly threats that if you come down here to testify, bad things are going to happen to you. Um, but yeah, they were going to. But then they didn't receive their um, their notice um, to to appear as part of the case until after it was already finished. So yeah. like really frustrating, and it's. It sort of gets to a bigger thing, which was like the part that stayed with me when I was talking about this stuff or thinking about this stuff. Uh, dogs doing it running in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Jerk dogs. <laughs> um, nah, we won't hear them too much. But yeah, like the biggest, uh, they're good. You're good. the biggest thing was like for the longest time at this, and I think it's the same for a lot of wrestling fans. They're just angry about this whole deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just angry at this whole scene. Um, it's almost like people, when they think of Puerto Rican wrestling, it just has this like, um, black eye on it because of this like bad taste that left in everybody's mouth and how just fucking angry they are that like this man's life was taken from him. Some of that heat rolled over to like Carlito, Epico and Primo. Like Mm. people like didn't want, didn't want to give the Cologne family and the Cologne kids or her progeny like a shot because of. Carlos basically being a party to the murder of Bruiser Brody. Yeah, being an accomplice. It's kind of hard to coalesce that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, another another thing is it's like when you think about this and from a lot of stuff that I've heard of of Carlos having pretty a big part in the the cover-up and then the court case going the way it did, um, he's in WWE Hall of Fame right now. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Interesting. But yeah, personally, like for the longest time, I was like so angry about this and just thought, you know, this, uh, you know, Jose Gonzalez, Jose Gonzalez, just such a piece of shit and blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, I don't know, you get past that. And then you're like, the biggest question to me was like, why? Why would Invader do this? You know, what's his side of this? Um, you don't just like stab your biggest draw to death in a locker room of all places. Like, could you think of a fucking worse place where you could commit a murder if it was premeditated? <laughs> Um, like what a fucking dumb idiot. Uh, but then, well, he, he did have only Tony Atlas as a witness. So, I mean, yeah, just joking. well, the, uh, uh, there's a lot um, of different, that was a terrible joke. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I didn't even catch that. Oh, 
I was saying Tony, not the most reliable. He was probably getting stepped on. Yeah. At the time. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of different people have talked about it afterwards. Um, you know, people like Dutch Mantel, uh, obviously Tony had such a vivid recollection of it. That was just heart wrenching, um, in the documentary itself. But another dude, Eric Embry, um, who was a, a dude that was actually part of the Puerto Rican office, um, after it went down, um, a longtime worker, contemporary of like, um, Steve Austin, uh, stuff like that back mm-hmm. in the, the late eighties, um, territory days, um, and, uh, Memphis and things like that. But yeah, Eric Embry had like some super interesting stuff to say about it on Austin's podcast. This came out like, uh, last year, I want to say something around there. Um, where he mentioned that, um, that, uh, I believe Victor Javica, that, that other dude high up in the office had, had told him in person, uh, that it cost him and Carlos $178,000 to get Gonzalez off. Um, which is like scary when you actually hear it. Like that's him relaying it from the guy that was involved in it. And again, Fun from gross. hearing about this, hearing about Eric, like he, he doesn't, I mean, you know, you never know the truth or whatever, rumor, 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 but he comes across as like a real credible dude. Um, but then he, he had some really interesting stuff to say about, um, about uh, Jose's side of it that I'd never heard before. Um, you know, you just sort of like think of this guy as this evil monster and he just did what he did because he's evil. Uh, but that doesn't make sense. I mean, have you heard the story about his daughter? Mm-mm. Yeah, she like, um, she in like uh, either the days or weeks before the murder, um, Jose's daughter drowned to death in their swimming pool. So, and she was like three or four, something like that. So it's like, oh, I think they alluded to something about his personal life going on in the documentary. So yeah, yeah, I didn't, I don't think they actually spoke of what exactly occurred. Yeah, I know, I know, Ric Flair mentioned it in his book as well. Um, but yeah, so there's that. So dude's like not in a, a good place like that. Um, the other thing Eric Embry mentioned was that, um, for the longest time, um, like Bruiser would just bully the shit and abuse him like nonstop. Uh, so like they'd have matches and Brody would just stiff him all through the matches and with, um, Jose being the booker, Brody would sort of like, um, uh, you know, allegedly, um, you know, uh, abuse him in front of the boys and like make make it obvious that he doesn't have any respect for him and things like that. So you've got a guy that's you know maybe not in the the best mental health area of his life. Got a guy that's been like you know bullying and abusing him on an ongoing way, disrespecting him in front of the boys for a long time. And then apparent the the worst part that Eric said was like that. Um, Victor Javica and um, Carlos would like egg him on. It's like, you're going to take that. You know, don't take that. You have to do something about this. Don't think they thought he was actually going to fucking kill him. Murder. Yeah. But still, it's like, it's fucked up. Um, there are also rumors that Brody loaned the Puerto Rican office like 50 grand. Um, or there was like some sort of issues with uh, taxes and, and Brody uh, potentially owning or buying part of the territory. Um, or that Brody was going to start working on some of the other islands down there in the, the Caribbean area. Um, again, you, you never know, but it's like little bits and pieces where it starts to make a little bit more sense why there would be a grudge. But um, 
the biggest part is like when I when I heard this, it was like sort of it, it made a whole lot more sense to me than a dude just going to murder him in a locker room. Um, some people have had the idea that perhaps he only intended to like scare Brody and let him know he's not going to be taking his shit anymore with the knife. And then mm. you can imagine how Brody would have probably reacted to that. Yeah, fuck you and your knife. Yeah. I'll fuck you up. I'm, I'm Bruiser Brody. And then things escalating from there and then, you know, potentially things played out exactly the way that um that we heard the rest of the story, but I mean, I don't know. I it's it's a very interesting thing. There's no uh right or wrong with this stuff, but it's just oh, such a fucked up thing, hey. Yeah, Zach, when I started watching it with Zach, or as I affectionately call him, Zaza, uh, he he's like, at first he's like, so what happened? Like, as the documentary is beginning, I'm like, well, Zach, I, I hate to tell you, but these guys went through all the time of generating this documentary to tell you exactly what occurred. So I'd feel I'd be spoiling it <laughs> if I told you what happened to this gentleman right now at the beginning of this. He's like, fair point, fair point. Indeed. <laughs> but yeah, a tremendous documentary if you have not seen it yet um it, it may tug on your heartstrings if you're one of those sensitive types that you know feel for other people you know some of us can't do that but i do uh but amazing tremendous definitely worth a sit down and watch um and back to barbara like what a woman like i, I don't think i've heard of someone who speak more affectionately for their partner than barbara good especially in the wrestling business hey like, cause that's, yeah. that's the thing. Most of these people on the road are like, you know, wrestlers are wrestlers, guys cheat on their wife, guys do whatever. They're not home most of the time. But from everything that I've heard, like the Brody that people hear about and the legends and that, like in, in that like domestic sort of situation, he's sounds like the, such a, a nice guy that really legitimately cared about, um, about his family and that was the most important thing to him and and lastly like in that interview with um Fumi Saito that I was talking about a thing that he said that really like just fucking got my heartstrings um he was like such a realist he was like one of the quotes was like I'm, I'm aware that I'll be forgotten he said like people will forget you especially in entertainment and sports uh and I'll never give my whole life to the business like yeah and unfortunately they didn't shake out that way frank yeah but i mean that to the opposite side of it like he was so convinced in that interview in 1985 that people would forget him next big things come along whatever but people are still talking about bruiser brody and the legacy of bruiser brody today yes sir i think despite not having that big wwf run that a lot of people had or even having like a big run in uh, crockett or something like that uh, Brody was always like the outlaw and, um, he's, he's almost bigger in memory than, um, than all those guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, I recommend hell guys check out, um, some bruiser Brody matches. They're so great. Um, dude had like such a contribution to wrestling and, um, yeah, check out this bloody documentary. It was, it was amazing. I concur, my friend. Yeah, and hey, if you like that, I heard some rumblings that uh, following the success of the Ric Flair ESPN 30 for 30, they're doing some other um, wrestling stories, and uh, Bruiser Brody may be the topic of one of them coming up. So 
fuck, something like that could uh, blow this whole thing up. Um, on a, in terms of like maybe, I don't know, you know, trial, retrial, stuff like that. But I mean, that's the, the step towards getting people talking about it outside of just wrestling fans. Wow, how amazing would that be? Yeah, pretty nuts. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it won't shake out like, you know, some retrials of some individuals who uh, technically die before they get their day in court really shaken out. Mm, I don't know. If you know who I mean. I, I believe I do. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, the, the side, hearing Jose's side, it's like, uh, while in no way does it justify what he did, but you can understand it, maybe, and you could maybe understand why his friends would have tried to help him out and prevent him from potentially getting the death Going penalty. To... I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. No, that's good. It's a very good point. Like I doubt, especially in, in such a close knit unit as wrestling, everyone's going to all of a sudden turn their back on you. You know what I mean? It's, it's very rare in the world of wrestling. Mm. Yeah, sure is. Sometimes they like even say, Hey, don't get caught uh, speaking out loud, brother. You know, you can say what you want like for a certain reinstated wrestler. Oh man. The Hogan stuff. Gosh. Oh, we don't need to get No, we don't. Yeah. That's not our podcast. Yeah. We'll let other people complain yeah, about that. Whatever. For sure. <laughs> anyway, we've been going for All a right, while. Buddy. I feel like we're yeah. about to, ready to wrap this baby up. In the in the amount of time we were off, I think it's only fair that we give the just do of audio to our good and faithful listener, one Courtney. <laughs> I'm sure she'll really appreciate this, this wonderful gift yeah. that we're giving her in a near to well podcast. Extra content is specifically for her. Just for you, Courtney. <laughs> See you soon, my lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys will be able to, to finally meet in person. Nice. Yeah, yeah, she bust my balls in person though, instead of via internet. <laughs> You'll find that she does just as good a job as busting your balls in person as she does over Facebook. I expect no less. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, do your things. Put over the podcast. Put network. over put the put things. Over All right. So, uh, as always, we are very grateful to the Social Suplex Wrestling Podcast Network for uh, giving us the platform to do this. Um, we, uh, have a, a bunch of other sweet podcasts on there that you can always check out in addition to their, um, their main website at socialsuplex.com. Uh, we've also got the One Nation Radio over there hosted by Rich Larder. We've got Keeping It Strong Style hosted by Jeremy and Josh Smith, other Jeremy. Uh, we've got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, Outsiders Edge hosted by Rance and Carl, and the Wrestling Wash, uh, with Bathtub Caleb Conlon. That's the Social Suplex Wrestling Network. Uh, Beautiful. Outside of that, again, you can always check us out on the Twitter at Grown Men Pod. Uh, you can check myself out on the Twitter as well as the Instagram where you can find all my wacky art shenanigans at Chris Things. How about you, my friend? Uh, you can find me both on Instagram and Twitter at James Vanderbeek. Spelling it a little unusual. It's J A I M S and Vanderbeek spelled phonetically. So get after me. Uh, follow me if you like memes or stupid jokes or you find me amusing whatsoever. Uh, I, I definitely mix some mirth up on the me social media. 
I love it. Thank you, sir. They often uh, give me the belly laughs. I enjoy your puns very much, sir. Love to hear it. When I was being open and honest about my difficulties on the uh, the Twitter machine, I had a lot of what I call my nieces and nephews reach out and give me some words of support and explain about how much with my stupidness or dumbness I amuse them on a daily basis. That really does make me feel good. So, uh, yeah, I, that's great to hear. And, again, as we spoke of earlier, if you need someone to talk to, we may not have the best advice, but we're willing to listen, both Chris Things and James Vanderbeek. Indeed. Well said, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, should we get out of here? Let's let's get out of here. Let's shut this baby down. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. We super appreciate it. Thank you again, Swifty, everybody. Yeah, and 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 I want to say, um, you know, thank you for, for for being patient with us. If you know things don't always line up uh, time wise, but we oh, we bad. do our best. On me. Ah. No worries, brother. All right, brother. All right. Thanks a bunch, guys. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.